This is the India Migration Now Extra. listeners welcome to another episode of india migration now extra today we'll be joined by rajivmon kutappan he's the indian arab gulf senior investigator for equidem research and consulting his writing has been featured in the wire reuters the caravan and many other international national media houses we talked about his his writings we talked about his experiences as a migrant in the gulf his activism and what does future hold for migration from kerala hi raji thanks for joining the podcast thanks varun thanks varun right so before I, you know we talk about the work that you've done your your um your journalism and your your views on gulf migration from india Can you just tell me about your experiences as a migrant in the gulf yeah um why don't i uh, there are two kind of uh, workers in the gulf uh, the migrant workers one is a blue collar worker and one another one is a white collar one especially when we say white collar they are the office workers who don't have to toil under the scorching heat or in any hazardous work conditions so right luckily i am a skill i was a skilled worker i am a skilled worker so i had a skilled job so my experiences as a migrant is quite different from what a blue collar migrant worker would face in an arab country in gulf country uh, i had a better accommodation i had a better salary i had a better transport i was well accepted by the arab people i had an entry to any any places in arab offices and all and they respect each other and everything is fine uh so it's that uh, if you have a good job there if you are skilled then you are respected and you can enjoy the peaceful life in gulf country right but if you are a blue collar worker things entirely change hmm so for me i was a skilled worker so i was happy to be in gulf uh, uh to have that peaceful life to enjoy that luxury life but if you are a blue collar worker things change differently right right yeah uh, so just just on that note then you just tell us about how you got into covering migrants as a journalist how writing about them yeah uh, i was a i was a sub editor here with the new indian express and one of my senior got a job in gulf in a small newspaper called oman tribune which has been shut down now due to the financial crisis right it's not in print now they are just online now uh he got a good job there as a chief sub so he uh, he asked me that uh, would you like to join there are vacancies so i thought that okay fine i will see gulf and i have seen only gulf through tv channels all the dubai skyscrapers and all so i thought muscat also would be like that so i thought okay i will migrate for two years and be there and then uh come back to india again Right. but uh, i went there and uh, i was a desk person so uh, i i used to do the editing of the newspaper and then uh, i came to understand the sensitivities 
of the Arab world, what is go, what has to go, what should not go in the print and art. After a few, two years, uh, I got a call from a big newspaper called Times of Oman, who were very bold and open to do stories and all. So I moved to that newspaper. And when I moved, I asked them that I should also have a freedom to write. I'm not going to be just a desk person. So they agreed for that. And then I started to do small, small stories. The small stories is that the begging ball stories. Some of the migrant workers, maybe individual guy or a group of people who are stranded in a camp without any food or electricity or a payment, they would uh, come to our social workers and tell that, okay, we are hungry for the last uh, uh, two, uh, two days or three days. We don't have money. Embassy is not helping as much. And our case is stuck in the port and our employer is missing. So mm -hmm. what can we do? The social workers, what they do is that typical Indian attitude, they will just redirect the people to the newspaper so that we do the story. And then we will have, uh, we will say that it goes in, in the inside pages. We say that, uh, okay, there are uh, 50 workers who are uh, stranded, who are starving for the four days without food and water. So please help them. And right. uh, this, this kind of thing we do. So all of a sudden there are good summary, summary ends. Uh, there are rich Indians, rich Pakistanis, rich yeah. Bangladeshis. They will all jump into action. They want fame and name and everything. So they will go to the camp. They will approach me. They will go to the camp. They will give the money. Huh. So this is the way I started doing small, small stories. But then it happened is that I stopped doing the begging ball stories. Then I started to visit the camps. Then I started to do in-depth stories. Then I started to find out what is the issue behind. These stories keep on repeating. But how can we stop these kind of issues keep on re repeating? Right. So then it became an in-depth, larger picture. Then it right. became big stories. Right. I mean, as someone who worked in the media in the Gulf, um, yeah. I'm just wondering, how does the, the Arab media, the local media and the destination perceive migrants? Is it in that sort of, sort of uh, breakup of high skill versus low skill, is that sort of prevalent in the media depiction of migrants in the Arab world? In, the, in, the, in, in all the media organizations, it's all dominated by Indians in all over the Gulf because uh, the skilled Indians who are working there, working here have migrated there and they have become into the high post and all. There, were, there okay. are editors, senior editors and all. At the same time, there are Pakistanis also who are well-educated are in some high position. Right. The, number of, the number of Arabs the indigenous people, the original nationals, locals are quite low in English media, not in the Arab media. I'm not talking about the Arabic media. I'm talking okay. about English media. Okay. They are quite low. And uh, the main reason is that those, they don't, uh, they are not that much skilled to perceive the news. Mm -hmm. They are not good news hunters. They right. don't write good English and all. Right. And to write and understand good English don't come to the media sector. They become CEOs, GMs and all. They get educated in America, UK. They come back, they become CEO and GMs and they run their own family business and all. And they are least bothered about becoming a subeditor or reporter and all. So that's one thing how the media works there. Right. How do they see the stories of migrants? That's an entirely different thing. Even the English media and even the Arab media, they don't look at the migrant issues seriously. Hmm. It depends mainly on the reporter's interest. And it is quite hard to convince the editor to get a migrant issue story published to. Right. Uh, especially the editor should have a sense and he should be knowledgeable. He should understand the issues also. If right. he doesn't understand the issue, even if it is a grave issue, he won't allow us to get it printed. Especially if there is an Arab editor 
or an Arab chairman who doesn't understand the migrant issue, he won't agree to publish it because they always have a looking down mentality on the uh, migrant workers issue. The thing is that they have a perception in their mind is that everything is good, inshallah, all good, we are doing well. Okay, right. That's their attitude. Right. Um, could you, could you, I mean, and then simultaneously, do you think there is a role of the Indian media, um, that is the media in India, in supporting the Indian migrants abroad? Do you see there's a role for us here? Yeah, there, definitely there is a big role, but most of the time they miss the role. That's the thing. How so? Uh, how so? Because uh, there is no depth for news in India. Either there will be some political national issues or some right. territorial border issues or some, uh, some kind of other issues. So there is no dearth for news in India. So they are least bothered about 30 million Indians residing outside India and their issues. And there are only two times when stories of migrants come. One is that if India migration now or institutions like CDS comes out with a survey saying right. that there is an increase or a decrease in the number of Indians migrating to so-and-so country from India. That's one news. Okay. Right. The other news is that the World Bank comes out with a report annually saying that there is an increase or a dip in the remittance to India from Gulf countries or from the outside India. Right. So these are the only two instances where mm. the migrant issues are being covered in Indian media, in national media. Now, as far as in Kerala media, what is that issue is that uh, when we say 30 million, out of the 30 million, some 70% of this 30 million uh, are Keralites and they reside in Gulf. So each and every news channel from Kerala, they have their offices there as media publishing group. So right. these channels will cover the migrant issues there and they don't cover any hard score stories. They cover soft issues like a few workers are standard good summary uh, should come forward to help them. And so they take mileage from that story also. Oh, it is we who broke the story. So right. it is we who pay, uh, got them the ticket. It is we who, who are going to repatriate them. And when they come back to India also, they will do a follow-up story. Other than this, they don't do, none of them do any kind of uh, analytical, in-depth, long-form stories, either from Gulf or in India. Yeah, and I agree with that. I think the focus has been very shallow, like you said, looking at hard numbers and not the in-depth uh, sort of experiences of migrants. What was the reaction of the Gulf governments to your writing? Mm. Yeah, 2014, uh, since the mid of 2014, the oil prices started to uh, climb down or fall from $120 per barrel to $20. Right. This affected the cash flow in the Arab countries. The Arab countries' budgets went into deficit. The cash flow affected. When the cash flow was affected, they stopped all major projects. When the, all the major projects mm -hmm. were stopped, uh, stopped or halted, it was affected by the subcontractor and the other companies. And the first casualty was migrant workers. Right. The high-level workers will be paid or they leave the job and they migrate to some other country, either to US or Europe or somewhere else. But the migrant workers who worked there for 10,000 rupees or 20,000 rupees, they were not ready and they are not in a situation to give a four-month salary, pending salary. So they get standard. Now, right. this kind of stories I started to do. How many workers are getting standard? Why is this issue? What are they? What, are they, what is the government doing? Why can't they clear that use? Why can't they send the workers back? I used to blame the Indian embassy also. Why can't they take the power of attorney of the workers, fight the case and send the workers, uh, starving workers back with a ticket and all? 
So yeah. this was uh, pissing the government and the embassy. Hmm. Then what happened is that I came across several trafficking issues. The Indian women or the South Asian women, it is very easy for them to be uh, get into UAE on a tourist visa. And mm -hmm. there are traffickers who lure them into tourist visa to UAE. And after the 45 days stay or a 90 days stay, they are being given a visa, job visa, without the knowledge of the sending country to the host country, that is either to Saudi, Oman, Kuwait, or Bahrain, or Qatar. Right. And the women will exit from UAE showing this uh, job visa. And she enters the destination country that is Oman, Kuwait, Saudi, or Qatar, or Bahrain. And then where the embassies doesn't know that a woman, Indian woman, for example, she has gone to UAE on a tourist visa. The embassy, the Indian government and embassy doesn't know that she has come back. And the another thing is that they doesn't know that she has entered Oman or Bahrain or Qatar or any other Gulf country. She, when she enters illegally, irregularly, this is irregular channel. When she enters irregular channel through the traffickers, she doesn't get a job contract. She doesn't know what is a job timing. She doesn't know what is the salary for her. She becomes slave for the Arab employer. Right. So this is trafficking and this is the way of trafficking still which is happening. And last week also, I had to rescue two women from Oman who were trafficked from Kerala through UAE to Oman. And I brought them back to Kerala through my right. network and all and embassy help and all. When I did, uh, when I came across such kind of stories, I slowly started to do such kind of uh, innocent, good, good stories and all saying that, okay, it's not the fault of Oman government, but it's the fault of sending country India. They have not tightened the regulations and all. They were right. happy with that. But all right. of a sudden, my chairman wanted to do an expose. So then I went and I did a sting operation in the border area of Oman and UAE, where the women are sold like vegetables. Right. Pick women, whichever women you want, you just pay them the money and take her home without the knowledge of the embassy and all. When I did that story, it was Sri Lankan women and Ethiopian women. The Sri Lankan embassy acted on my story. They initiated a probe. They found that one of their embassy official was in hand in gloves with the traffickers. Oh, they wow. summoned back the embassy official back to Colombo. He was arrested. And they sent a strong letter to the Oman government saying that what is happening there? Why are the borders open? And the ILO and the ITUC also and the HRW and these guys are also were aware of such kind of things happening. And they also started to retweet the stories and all. And finally, the Oman government got pissed off with me. They called me and they told me that you are focusing on migrant issues and migrant rights. We don't want that to do. I said, okay, I won't do that. Uh, then uh, my chairman told that at least can I keep him in the desk? They said, okay. But uh, in between, again, there some stories came up. And uh, I didn't do that, but they knew that it was my story and it was my writing style and all. So all of a sudden, without any reason, they summoned me and my chairman to the Ministry of Information and to the uh, Divan of Royal Court and they told me that, get out. That's it. They gave me just 15 days right. and I came back. Right. So you're basically uh, thrown out of the country for your reporting. Yeah, I've been deported. I've been blacklisted by that country and uh, two more countries, which I can't name now. Sure. Yeah. yeah, because they are working on lifting the blacklisting. So I, I don't want to uh, name them because it's part of my work. I have to go back. <laughs> of course, of course, I understand. Yeah. Uh, Reggie, before we uh, we stop this conversation, I was wondering um, to, if you could tell us about something that you're reading. We always ask our guests in the India Migration Now Extra about, you know, what are you reading? What's on your desk uh, about migration? Could you, could you share something like that with us? About migration? Uh, I'm not reading anything about migration. I'm just writing a book on migration. Okay, please tell us a bit about that. Yeah, it's about the uh, story of that migrant worker who was there uh, 28 years undocumented uh -huh. in Oman. 
his experiences uh, see uh, he when he was undocumented once he made a, a duplicate passport and he tried to come back to india to attend his daughter's marriage when he landed in bombay the bombay immigration found that this is a forged passport right they packed him back in the same plane back to oman okay. but they seized this uh, suitcase which had uh, some good amount of money and uh, some good jewelry items also oh he i lost see everything and when he landed in the airport in oman they directly took him to the police station and when he reached the police station he was told to sit there but uh, what he did is that he ran away from them right 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 and uh, uh, and uh, uh, he told me this last month about uh, the failed attempt to come back to, back to india, india. Yeah. <laughs> on a forced passport and you know when i went to meet him inside his old maruti car which he bought for 60000 indian rupees which i managed to collect from some good people to send it to him when he was repatriated right he had a small hammam soap inside and a, and a dhoti and a towel so i asked him what is this hammam soap and dhoti and towel doing inside your car why you are not doing uh-huh. it at home right he told me that reji no they don't want me there they are all grown up now it's a shame for them that mm-hmm. i have come back empty handed so they don't take care of me and i don't want to be a burden for them so i sleep inside my car and there is a small river here so i go and bath there so that's why the dhoti and the towel and the soap is lying there and when i met him he was almost sweating it's hot it's not an ac car right but uh, i feel that that hammam soap's fragrance is might be the only fragrance in his life during these days other than that everything would be nothing for him isn't it right after right. being 30 years in oman as a migrant and coming back home he yes. said home yes. he is outcast in his home yes and he wants to go back again to oman to die there i asked him if you go and die there what will happen right. you know they will bury me somewhere and that's it i'm a lost guy right nobody is going to take care of me or make any inquiry about me nobody is going to do anything so i'm just dotting down everything what he said and i want to write a good book about him profile him then uh, do a detailed research on undocumented hassles of being undocumented struggles of being undocumented those kind of things rajivan thank you so much for joining us um, thanks a lot varun it was my pleasure that i could share something that that people would hear what's happening outside india no no absolutely <laughs> absolutely I, th- i think the work that you've done is is immense and we wish you luck with your book and your future writings ah!